This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 214. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Episode 214 will see us do a little special January episode. This time last year we dropped John Carpenter January where I picked two movies by the master of horror that I would probably never get a chance to chat about on podcasts Under the Stairs. I had a lot of fun doing that, that I thought, you know what, let's do another one for January, but this time let's not do a director, let's not do a composer, rather let's tackle a topic. So I picked a fun one for this one, I am looking forward to hearing what your reaction is out there, specifically what ones you would add to the list, because this list is just when you thought, dot dot dot, we are doing a series of my favourite just when you thought the movie was over, or just when you thought you knew what was happening, twist turn. That's right. <laughs> Out of nowhere, the movie gives you an unexpected twist, or an unexpected reveal, which leaves you kind of, huh? Kind of brain hurting, kind of what the fuck? Whiplash, maybe? Cinematic whiplash? That's what we're doing on this one. Now, to be honest, I am bringing not a plethora of movies you've never heard of before. Just my favourite ones. Maybe some that are considerations for food up for thought. And also on top of that, some that have a kind of linking connection where people are like, that's a cool ending, I will just take that for my movie. So that's what we're going to be doing after the first break. A fun January conversation. As always though, the conversation doesn't really end when this podcast finishes. And what I'm looking forward to is from you guys on the Facebook group page or on that Flick chat app adding to my list. Let me know, were these um, twist endings a bit obvious to you? Or are there some that I have missed, some that I need to check out, some that haven't been considered by me, or some I just belittle on here? Because that's a good chance I may be like that. This is a big twist, kind of fucking dumb though. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you guys add to this conversation. Now, we have a busy week on Podcast Under the Stairs. Surprise, surprise. You are getting what will be four episodes this week. Starting with this episode on Monday. On Thursday, we do Movie Club, looking at the Quatermass Experiment. You have until Wednesday to get your reviews in. I'm recording this Sunday night as it stands just now. Still only two reviews. Kind of disheartening. Two reviews in. So, come on, get this number up a little bit or, you know, I will just abandon this series. Can't be bothered doing a series that is, you know, two people writing in reviews. You guys have been great. I know you're all waiting off to Wednesday because you like to twist and manipulate my nerves to the last minute. But it'd be great to see some of them coming in. That's all I'm saying. Come on, guys. Finger out. I can do it. You can do it. So, that's coming Thursday. On Friday, you'll get the bonus review for The Grudge, 2020's The Grudge. 
very much looking forward to that. I'm seeing it tomorrow at the cinema, so that review will be dropping on Friday. It will be non-spoiler and spoiler-based, so be forewarned. We then swing into Sunday, where we continue our look at the 88 Films Italian Collection. Yeah, it's time to discuss a little bit of eyeball. That's right. Don't know why I said it's so sinister, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Back into my comfortable blanket that is Jello. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be doing that on Sunday. Meanwhile, over on the Tea Putts Collective Network, we will be dropping this week the return of Doing the Nasty Podcast. It's coming out on Friday. This is season two. It's Picking up the mantle that was left down when we finished season 1 back in 2015. This time we're looking at the tier 3 movies in the nasty list and kicking off episode number 1 by looking at Invasion of the Blood Farmers and the last horror film. Andy is not on this series, he's been replaced by Mark Ball, so a new voice to get to know. You will know him if you have been listening to the show for a while. Uh, and we will be discussing those two movies. We'll be putting out one episode a month, so two movies a month. No excuse not to join us this time through. I know some listeners are already sitting down and watching those movies. You can jump across to our Facebook group page though and Mark has already curated a list of where you can find some of these movies online to watch. So join in, it's going to be a ton of fun. That is dropping on the T-Putts Collective Network on Friday. And last Friday we dropped the new season of Chronicle. Uh, yeah, season three of Chronicle has returned with a bang. The next instalment of that comes on a week on Friday. So yeah, be prepared for that. And Opera Omnia is on there, the back catalogue of Doing the Nasty, the back catalogue of the Chronicle podcast. So there is easily about, what, 40 podcasts on that network already. So jump across, make sure you're subscribed to T Putts Collective. Right, let's do this. We're going to take a very short break just now. When I return, we're going to be talking about movies with surprising twist endings that are what-the-fuck moments, or maybe less what-the-fuck and more yeah-ofs. We'll find out in our just-when-you-thought dot 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 January list. Coming right up, right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. So it goes without saying on this list, we are going to be spoiling movies, right? We're going to be spoiling a lot of movies. So in the show notes, I have listed what movies I talk about. If you have not seen any of the movies in the list, take two seconds, please. Now, I can't stress this enough. I know I do put movie spoilers at the front of this, you know, this, you know, this show, spoil movies, all that shit's at the front. I know I do that. 
but I'm fully aware that the conversation here is going to go a bit wild. So, you know, I'm going to talk about a lot of different movies here. A lot of different movies that I've seen. A lot of different movies that maybe, just maybe, you might not have seen. And if that is the case, please, 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 just check the list of movies. Take two seconds right now, swipe to that, that is show note list, go straight to the website even, tpuxcast.com and check the show notes list there. If you've clicked on this through Facebook, you know, th- there are ways to find out. Please just check that list. I don't want people coming back to me and moaning that I spoiled the ending of a movie, right? Because you were too lazy, too lazy to check the list. Now, it is a list of about 15 to 20 movies. Granted, that's quite long, but just make sure. Just make sure you've seen them all. All I'm asking. Does that sound like too much? I don't know. Maybe it does. I don't know. Anyway, with that caveat out of the way at the, the kind of front, um, let me just say right now that you are passing the threshold of pain. And yeah, now we're spoiling movies. So... Let's talk about some of the different techniques, though, right? And as a fan of Giallo cinema, um, I am used to these. One of the great kind of Giallo reveals generally is that it's someone that was kind of like a background character that you weren't familiar with. It's a Scooby-Doo ending, isn't it? Was that pesky lighthouse keeper? or the janitor that you saw in the opening scene in the background who had one line of dialogue, that's the killer, right? So that's that's one technique for sure, is the surprise reveal, the whodunit reveal, and when you're like, oh, I can't believe it was him all along. And I mean, that's fine. I've kept them kind of off this list, although when you're talking about slasher movies, it's kind of difficult not to kind of lean into that because slashers for all intents and purposes very much like Jallos are all kind of hedged back with Hitchcock which is kind of where we're going to start here realistically if we're going to talk about things we have to talk about Psycho Psycho is like one of those ones where we're like ah and it's difficult in today's world to appreciate the impact that Psycho had with its reveal at the end. The idea being that it's actually Norman Bates that's dressed up like his mother and he is the killer all along. I mean, that nowadays it's, it's kind of cliche, it's been done a lot, that kind of twist kind of reveal. And it's easy to look nowadays with a cynical eye because it's so ingrained in the pop culture to not appreciate how much of a, you know, a fake switch that was back in the day. And how weird it was for audiences to try and get their head around. It's the idea that this man would be inhabited by the the psyche of his mother. But at the same time, not even just the psyche of his mother, his embodiment of his mother, but it's him ultimately. It's his manifestation of the most malevolent parts of his mother and, and a part of his shattered brain. And from that movie, you get a lot of that kind of play Similar. So Psycho kind of sets this idea of you thought it was this person. Well, actually, it's this person. So there we go. <laughs> Fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> um, and you get like a lot of movies that come off the back of it. But it's it's a it's a cool example of the the kind of the fake switch in the story. A bit of similar time frame. You get the French movie Les Deliboliques and. In the case of that one, the fake switch you get is that you think the malevolent action that you're following 
by the character you're kind of siding with um, is the is the nasty part of the story, and then you get the fake switch at the end when you realise actually you very much like the central character have been duped into this false sense of security and knowing that you think you have the upper hand when you totally don't. Um, and Lady Diabolique, what you have is a woman who finds out that her husband is having an affair and then plots with the mistress his death. She's going to kill him and she's going to make it look like an accident and she's going to get off scot-free and be away from this horrible man that has wronged her but little does she know that the husband already knows about it and is kind of playing on this one faking his own death in the in the kind of in the the end of this movie and she thinks she's got away with it and he's dead and he then appears to come back to life to haunt her and she dies of a heart attack <laughs> when you find out that he's been behind it all along because not only is he an adulterator but he's also an adulterator is that a, is what makes him sound like a terminator that just shags married women the adulterator dun 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 uh, you know come with me if you want to live but come done differently if you know what I mean wink wink nudge nudge whoever misses um, but yeah so he's been behind it all along uh, it's a plan with his new mistress and the old switcheroo has been enacted and ultimately that twist where you even as the audience think has he just is he haunting her is he a fucking zombie what the fuck is going on you realize he's wearing fake contact lenses to give him the appearance of death and he's just able to hold his breath for a really long time uh, I can hold my breath for a long time! And uh, yeah, he, he haunts the shit out of her. <laughs> it's such a wicked movie. I, I, I love it dearly. I got the Criterion a while ago. And um, it's one of those ones that kind of has pride of place in that every now and again, um, I, I, I will, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it and just think, wow. <laughs> Oh, what a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> oh, yeah, so Lady of Leak has got a great end, and once again, not one that hasn't been re-replicated a million times as well. Interestingly enough, the the kind of the fake switch that we are kind of most comfortable with. Uh, kind of starts back with Carrie. Now Carrie's not the first one to do it, but Carrie's ending, the De Palma ending for Carrie, is, you know, it's the one that people were like, that if we can just get that one last scare, that one last scare, then we are okay. Uh, you know, the, the great ending in Carrie is the, the kind of dreamlike sequence where she, the friend of Carrie, visits the gravesite and the hand of Carrie comes up at the end and grabs her. And you're like, oh my god, oh, you know, you're shocked. And as I imagine as the audience, a little bit of pee probably came out. Maybe a little bit of poop as well. So I think that ending probably had a lot of pop. And as a result, it has this huge impact specifically in slasher movies. The slasher movies loved it. And you get that with, I mean, if you look at Halloween, Halloween's reveal is Michael Myers is not there when he falls off the edge of the balcony. Where is he? Is he still out there? No! You know what I mean? I shot him six times! Um, and you think you... Well, you think 
that you kind of... He might still be out there, but there's no reveal. If you watch Friday the 13th, though, which clearly, clearly takes influence from Carrie, that kind of dream jump reveal at the end of that movie is, like, mutated Jason Voorhees' boy swings out the water and grabs the, the, the final girl and pulls her under as a sequence, which is, I mean, it's ultimately played as a dream as well. That's the thing about this one. You don't know if it's real or not. And a lot of the Friday the 13th movies end with that, well, did it happen or is it a dream sort of sort of logic? But you then get a whole host of these movies. Done. Almost every slasher movie will have it from that point onwards. Um, interestingly, it's like Friday the 13th solidifies it and gives it legitimacy. So we have to have it all. And then in some weird sort of kind of bastardised hybrid, some brundle end like kind of coincidence the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street which I don't particularly like anyway and people know that out there I don't like the idea that it's all just a dream um, I hate that I think it's such a cop out and you know it makes sense in the context of well the movie's called A Nightmare on Elm Street Duncan so it's kind of in the name we're going to get to that in a second April Fool's Day but what you have is you have like a combination of the two. So you have not only the the kind of the dream kind of no one is acting the way they probably should and everything is serene with, with the music and we're all calm and the kids are okay and they're safe. And then you have a combination of like a car gaming sentience, as Baz would call him, Freddy the car. And, you know, the hand coming through the window the hand being just the hand as well and dragging her through kind of like a combination of the carry ending and the Friday the 13th ending so it's a combination of these things carrying through which I quite like I think that is a, a cool technique if I'm honest I think it's clever how you do that so you've got that side of things as well and slashers really hang on to that and whilst like I say I don't particularly like the end of Nightmare on Elm Street I can kind of respect it I'd respect the hell out of that Friday the 13th end and then you know Carrie is near and dear to my heart and always will be but then there's the let's do it too literal kind of thing which is April Fool's Day now granted everyone keeps telling me I need to go back and check out that movie I saw it once and once was enough the reason I didn't like it is that it, the name really is the name and when you have a slasher movie, which its central reveal is no one dies. No one died. It was all an April Fool. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Fuck that movie. It's like, you know, it'd be like watching... It's like a less sophisticated, more on-the-nose version of the game. You know, the Michael Douglas movie. I just don't like it. Now, granted, my attitudes have changed somewhat since my youth. And I might go back and watch it now and appreciate it for what it does but for the most part um, I, I, I never liked it never liked it at all never got the, the fuss about it never understood why people would hold it with reverence at all to me it was just a really silly movie with kills which were okay until they were completely undermined by the fact that it says it on the name ta-da so yeah not the biggest fan of that one if I'm honest. But that's an example of, once again, let's try and do a twist ending in a slasher movie. And like I say, there's a whole host of them that we could get through. We're not going to do that here because we have tons of other ones to get to, some of which are basically replications of Western endings and some of which are copies of endings from other territories, which make things 
kind of fun from my position. You can lump in the whole, um, there's a whole wave of Spanish ghost stories that weirdly correspond with J-horror, which I kinda love. And you could link somehow something like the orphanage, maybe a little bit of the others, Ringu, uh, maybe even The Sixth Sense, which has the feel of a movie that could possibly have been like a Spanish ghost story. You know, these ones where things all tie in together and you get a reveal at the end which is kind of bittersweet and it's it's kind of justification of death and the life that you have beyond that. If we take, for example, The Sixth Sense, everyone knows the end to this movie. There's no way you've got to this point in your life and you don't know the end of this movie. The twist in the movie, uh, which Shyamalan would then set out as his kind of modus operandi for every movie. Every movie needs to have a Shyamalan-esque twist. Um, His twist at the end of The Sixth Sense is that our investigator, the guy who's been comforting the child that can see dead people, is actually dead. Yes, I know, mind-blowing, movie ruined. But yeah, Bruce Willis is dead in that movie. He's a fucking ghost. He's deader than dead. He's dead as a doorpost which I never really understood because you could just pick any inanimate object and say, well, dead as that. Uh, But there we go. (laughs) I am tangentially switching off to the side here. But yeah, he's he's a ghost and he can't cross over uh, because his life's work hasn't been done. And when you see the the twist back throughout the movie, you will see that he's never actually interacted with any character, if you pay attention, than that of little Haley Joe Osmond. And then you're like... Ah, he is dead, he's always been dead, and he's sick, like, twist of of fate there. Interestingly enough, though, when you take a step back and look at some other movies that come out about the same time, the others being a great example, the others, you might be thinking, well, that's an American movie, Nicole Kidman, etc. It's actually a Spanish production based on a Spanish script. It's just, you know, even a a Spanish director, it's just financed by American money. It's definitely a European horror movie. And when you go back and watch it, it definitely has the beats and vibes of what would then take place in the movie, like The Orphanage, or even something like The Devil's Backbone. We could certainly put uh, The Devil's Backbone in here for sure, because the twist in that one, albeit is less a twist and more a reveal, without the twisty twist, is kind of in the same boat. But in the others, it's the inverse. So all the way through The Sixth Sense, we don't know that Bruce Willis is actually, you know, a ghost interacting with this kid who's trying to save, and this this kid is haunted. When we flip to the other side with the others, the other side others, um, the family at the house that are being terrorised by ghosts, they don't realise that they are actually ghosts. So they're all dead, and they're ghosts. And the people that are coming out of their house are actually people that are trying to live in that house beyond the time frame that this family has died. They are unable to cross over. And it's kind of like a weird twist on The Sixth Sense, but one that I really like, one that I think works. The Others is a movie that surprisingly holds up, even though it is, what, it'll be 20 years old now? It's a movie that I think holds up better than The Sixth Sense, if I'm honest. I've said before, to me, The Sixth Sense has diminishing returns every time I watch it. There's something a bit more kind of it's like the Marabone movie that came out recently which felt very much like uh, almost like a clone of the others 
And when we realised that the guy behind that movie, I think, had actually wrote the others, Memory Serves, that made a lot of sense. He was kind of playing with those techniques and those ideas. But the reveal there as being an inverse is something that kind of carries through into the 2000s. You get a movie like The Orphanage, which the reveal in that movie is kind of twofold. Um, when you first find out what happens to the child and this horrific scene of what happened through a bit of parental negligence but also just ill timing uh, and the time frame that passes. It's a kind of horrible, horrible reveal. Uh, but the movie ends with another kind of slight reveal twist with her taking her own life to continue to stay to look after the kids that are ghosts. It's a really kind of cool thing, but it's a one-two punch. Like, the one punch is when you get the reveal, the second punch is when she takes upon herself the action to condemn herself to an eternity of looking after these kids in the orphanage. That, I think, works really, really well. I think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's one of those kind of nice reveals. One of those ones which work really well. If you take that idea of ghosts with messages trying to convey things through, and then you take that to something like Ringu, well, Ringu is like the the sadistic little J-horror version, isn't it? And Ringu, what you have is this idea of a cursed videotape and the time frame in which to solve the curse before, you know, little creepy girl Sadako crawls out her TV screen and murders you using her supernatural stare. You die of horrific fright and your heart implodes. And we have our reporter who is desperately trying to solve this out and then has an idea of what has happened, the bad things that have happened to this child and thinks that if only she can find the body and give her a proper burial then the curse will be lifted. And what I love about this, and we get this in quite a few movies, definitely post-ring, is the idea of you think you broke the curse doing one thing but what you don't realise is you actually broke it doing something else earlier. So when that time frame passes you believe the last thing you did was the thing that saved you and it isn't uh, and the reveal in that movie being that it's actually you need to copy the tape and make someone else watch it to continue the ring of people watching it to continue the curse onwards pass it along it's like it follows very much borrowing that idea as well but you have to kind of pass it on to the next person who will take it forward and so you have that which is, is kind of cool. I remember seeing the end of the ring and really not expecting that because I had fallen in, I, I kind of fell in line with everyone else where I was like, oh, she solved the mystery and everything is okay. Because that's what Western horror movies will have you believe. Everything's tickety-boo now. We've we've saved it. We've made it, we've made it to the end of the movie. Congratulations, high five. Throw a toilet roll around the place. Yay, that's right. Houston, we no longer have a problem. And then she comes out and straight murders her ex uh, with her creepy, creepy eyes. And then you realise it was all to do with something else. Something in the background we hadn't even considered. This idea of making a copy and finding the body and doing all that hard work they did right to the very end saved no one at all. And I love that ending. It's the, it's the futility of... It's the futility of action. You know, that your actions, regardless how well-mannered they are or how well you think you have done them, to merit the the kind of the safety at the end of a movie, the powers that you've meddled with, ultimately, unless you play exactly by the rules, which you don't know, then you're fucked. 
And I think it does that really, really well. It's one of my favourite endings to a horror movie, full stop. Uh, I genuinely love that one. I think it's a great ending that is that kind of just when you thought dot, 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 Sadako's going to crawl at your telly and terrify you. Especially if you watch that movie at two in the morning with very little sleep and people have warned you about how scary it is and up to that point you're creeped out but you're not terrified and then she comes at that telly and you shit your pants and spend the rest of the night with the light on listening to Wham. That's right, wake me up before you go-go. In a lot of respects, that kind of knowing where the story's going only to have it kind of flipped and changed when you think you're doing the save the curse thing uh, is replicated in The Skeleton Key. Now, The Skeleton Key's a really interesting one because I remember seeing it at the cinema and kind of loving it. And it's a movie that I've seen once since and no one ever really talks about the skeleton key and I don't know why I don't know if it was it just came out in that awkward like phase in between horror being super cool horror being kind of in that flux of yeah we're doing like new slashers and stuff and torture porn and then this kind of weird little creepy possession ghost story sort of thing comes out and what I always loved about skeleton key which in a lot of respects is, I'm not going to say copied, um, is emulated, that sounds better than copied, in a movie like Get Out is this idea of, you know, being able to control someone's body and pass yourself off as them to gain something. And the skeleton key plays out in such a way that our main characters feel that they are on top of the mystery only to be trapped in the very thing they're trying to save by the end of it, condemned to to be stuck in a vessel of um, a vessel that cannot move or speak or anything for what we would imagine would be a very long time. I love that. I think that ending is absolutely fucking bitching. It's also kind of twisted and malevolent. Get Out, interestingly enough, takes very similar premises, just heads with a different sort of ending. And that original ending of Get Out that was planned, uh, almost the homage to um, Night of the Living Dead, which you can see had maybe one of the early twist endings when it comes to one of these movies. You know I mean? It really, really did. Transgressive... Uh, and subversive in a way where society, politics um, and movements to do with racial equality just hadn't caught up with it yet. Kind of why it's so ahead of its time. But if you look at something like, like I say, Get Out and Skeleton Key, these they play into a, a kind of a twisted version of that ring curse scenario where you really do think you're putting the puzzle all together and you've got all the PCs and everything is fine and if you just do this the bad people will be stopped only to realise that you have played the very hand that they have wanted you to play. One could argue very similar to the next couple of movies that we're going to ping in with here with The Wicker Man and Kill List which is like basically a modern Wicker Man. Um, The Wicker Man is genius and it's not only it's advertising, it's colossal wicker structure, which festooned the, the artwork for the movie. Um, and the fact that throughout the majority of the movie, you're following a policeman, the law. You're following the just lawman as he tries to bring down those bastard pagans. 
only to realise that the the warnings that you've been getting all the way through the movie, get out, leave while you can, the, the ones that you didn't heed, you've kind of went headlong with and ultimately ended up in exactly where they wanted you to be all along, a trial by idiocy towards the wicker man to burn alive. Interestingly enough, when you think about it, Kill List has a similar sort of pattern, except instead of the end result being that of, you know, death by flames, uh, is a paganistic ceremony which is enacted through killing in order to end up a member of a cult. The chosen one, so to speak. So it's kind of like... It's kind of like the Wicker Man with a happy ending question mark. If that happy ending is the death of your family. At your hands, by the way. At your very hands. I love that. I love the the kind of false security a character gets as they traverse a story only to find that the end result is not what they wanted. If anything, it is the exact result that our killers want. You only have to look at a movie like Short Night of the Glass Doll, the Aldo Lado Giallo, which the Aldo Lado Giallo is, is the best thing that I've ever said. Uh, it just rolls off the tongue. Uh, where you think that, to put you in the perspective of this one, this one's a fucking amazing movie. It's like one of my favourite Giallos ever made. Uh, not only because Aldo Lado makes movies that look like $17 billion have been spent on them, but I think he's a really good storyteller. And in this one, we have a character who has been drugged to give the illusion of death. Um, and there's a time limit on that, and that time limit slowly starts to tick out. And he's trying to think back through the events that led him to being almost medically deceased on a board. And he thinks he's... You know, he's, he's going to solve the mystery in time and we follow his memories all the way through. And we do. We find out who the people are only to realise right at the very end while he's lying on that table crying out for help that the person that's going to conduct his autopsy in front of the medical community all looked by the people that have put him there are all in the same boat. They're all the evil people. And um, yeah, he gets killed in that movie. <laughs> It's one of the most fucking gnarly, disheartening endings. It's such a nihilistic ending to a movie. Um, but you know, it, it kind of reminds me in a lot of respects, like the, the kind of kill list Wicker Man thing of you follow through a series of things to think you've found the answer only not to. And it's a common trend in horror movies. Um, it's usually done like, really, really, really well. Let's be honest. But let's take a step back though. Right, let's, let's try and take a step back and we're going to cover a couple of the things we've already discussed but through different facets. Now I said that all slasher movies kind of have that idea of just when you thought you killed the killer, surprise, he's there or he's dead, mum's there or some shit. You know, they, they, they prey on that, the one last scare. Well you've got a movie like Slipaway Camp which is infamous for its ending because you just never saw it coming. There is nothing, nothing more creepy and at the same time weirdly disconcerting than a, a very young Felicia Rose standing, you know, hissing with her naked body with a penis and you're like, no, that's Je no, Jessica, no, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a, that's Angela, not Jessica, she doesn't have a penis and yeah, she does. Big old dick, swinging in the breeze. Um, 
and then it all makes sense that the way she'd been brought up as a girl this is essentially forced her to be the way she is and it's a wonderfully dark twisted ending that I don't even think back then people could quite get their heads around even today I don't think people can get their heads around it um, I think that is really 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 clever weirdly ahead of its time as well in a lot of respects some people would say maybe distasteful I think it's genius. I think it's absolute genius. It's the last thing you expect, and when it does happen, your jaw's kind of left on the ground. So it's an, a, a great example of a slasher movie kind of playing with the ideas of what the killer reveal could be, um, and it's like a it's like a double whammy because you find out it's the girl, and you don't want it to to believe that it's this 16 year old girl and then to find that that's actually a girl who is actually a boy who's forced to be a girl by her demented weird aunt I, I, you know it's it's a great you know one two punch landing in such a way that it just it really does make me smile every single time I see it and cringe at the same time um, in the best possible way. I think it's, it genuinely is one of the best endings to a horror movie. It's always on those lists and to be honest it's earned it. I also like movies that give us unreliable narrators. You know when you follow a character through thinking you understand exactly the situation you're in the know. It's usually told through flashback and then at the end you get the kind of true reveal of what has actually happened. A great example of that is this triple bill that I'm about to hit you with. Um, let's start first with talking about a movie like Identity. Identity is a, is a horror kind of horror film per se. It's also a thriller, so I could see people are like, not a horror film. Um, you know, if you want to say that, then you know we'll go with that. But Identity is the retelling of a murder that has happened um, through the different perspectives of different per personalities and a multiple, per multiple personality victim. And the psychologist and crew there believe that they're chipping away each of these personalities that are fighting for supremacy within the brain. And if only they can get the right ones to act the way they want and overpower the rest, then, you know, the subject himself will be safe um, and then following the the kind of the mystery down eliminating everyone that needs to be eliminated you overlook the one true malicious entity in there who ultimately takes control at the end um, it's, it's kind of an amazing reveal if I'm honest it's one of those ones where I'm like that's kind of bitching and I kind of love it you'd also lump high tension in there or switchblade romance or Hoyt tension if you're um, that way inclined. A movie which relies on, you know, a movie which boldly starts with a character regaling someone, you assume the police, with the events that happened. So you instantly know, although some people never really quite grasp this and as a result the movie falls apart for them, where it's blatantly explained at the beginning. It is one of these maddening things that when people say, well the end reveal kind of ruins it for me, and but that, well it was all, you know, it was it doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense because she's lying, right? Her brain has forced this as a lie. But, you know, you have this killer that's going through murdering, uh, well, trying to murder 
these girls who, you know, one has a boyfriend, the other one is infatuated in love. And you actually find out that that killer at the end, this vicious, evil, nasty part of the psyche, is actually the girl who's in love with the other girl. Uh, and she has manifested this killer as a, a part of her imagination. Um, and that reveal comes at the end of the movie. And you follow the movie once again thinking you understand the journey of the character. You're, you're in their boots. You're seeing through their eyes. So it all makes sense to you. And then the end reveal is like a, a slap in the face. A jug of cold icy water poured down the back. Where you just kind of sit there frozen. Trying to digest what it is you've just seen. And then try and refit everything back in to work on that. Well, of course, when you think back to here, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's, it's a really smart way of, of telling a story which endears itself to the twist ending. Because like I say, you think you're following a true narrative line of what has happened, um, which can be taken in a different direction. It's almost usual suspects, isn't it? It can be taken in a different light conversations can mean different things although the words are the same the inflection can be different when put through someone else's perspective i think that's as brilliant how many times have we misjudged an email or misjudged a text message or misjudged a conversation because we didn't know how the words were intended we know what the words mean but we don't know what they're intended and if you magnify that out to someone's actions you think you are getting told a story which doesn't make fucking sense I think it's kind of genius I think it, it really really works in the case of High Tension and I openly acknowledge that a lot of people just don't like that movie you're all mad but I, I can see where you're coming from when it relates to that so yeah High Tension and Identity weirdly kindred spirits um, where, where you know they, they kind of they kind of sit really well together um, another such movie Oh, which is a kind of twist on the themes we've seen before. Goodnight Mummy is a weird twist on something like The Sixth Sense or The Others, again, where we think we understand what's happening in that movie and a mother's weird rejection of her kids and her kids' interpretation that maybe she's possessed, maybe there's something wrong with her, maybe she's been taken over by an alien, only to find out that actually one of the kids is dead and the other kid is imagining that kid. Um and the end result is absolutely fucking terrifying uh, when the, the, the kids want the mother to acknowledge that both the kids are there and she can't. And so they kind of glue her down and burn her alive. It's, <laughs> it's kind of fucking grim. Also kind of rad. So I've had fun. Went through a, a, a kind of good list there, a good mix. And like I say, there are tons that I have missed out, which I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys have. But I just want to tick off a couple of like more modern ones um, and a couple of what I would class as iconic endings that had those twist impacts. I want to finish off with maybe one of my favourite endings ever and it says a lot about my personality uh, just in general. What about something like Cabin in the Woods? Now Cabin in the Woods uh, plays out like your kind of standard cabin in the woods movie but there's something going on in the background we start to realize that there's some sort of plot afoot but when the ultimate reveal is that it's a kind of updated version of almost a kind of paganistic sacrifice to appease lovecraftian elder gods i mean that's when you're just like what Oh fuck. It's kind of why I love the movie as well. I think like movies that have 
Right, Ready or Not is a good example of the recent movie where, and I won't spoil that here, but it leans towards something and the fact that it goes full Cree at the end makes me smile because don't tease all that shit and then at the end go, ah, no, you know, I'm going to take the other way out. You thought you were getting the ridiculous ending. No, we're going to play it safe. I like when you go ostentatious and when you go over the top and Cabin in the Woods goes over, uh, over the top and certainly ostentatious with its ending. But the reveals in that movie keep outdoing the previous reveals. You might say it's not a twist ending. Well, it is a twist ending at the very end because characters' choices condemn the world. So, yeah, the world is over at <laughs> the end of that movie. Yeah, get much more gnarly than that. Talking about Shyamalan, Shyamalan obviously hits it out of the park for sure with a Sixth Sense ending. But one that I feel like some people just maybe aren't as kind of sold on as much as I was was The Visit which is one of his recent movies where uh, like you follow you think all the way through the movie you kind of understand what's going on that maybe these grandparents are possessed their grandkids are staying with them maybe they're suffering some weird case of dementia or something maybe you know they've been taken over by aliens you know all these different things that you would expect from a Shyamalan movie the ultimate reveal in that is that they have been essentially replaced. The kids never knew what their grandparents looked like and as such, um, the old big bad wolf syndrome here of, you know, they've been replaced it by two other people and the kids don't know any better. And when that reveal comes in, it's fucking glorious. I love the ending of that movie. I think it's, it's so fun and it's so weirdly grounded for a Shyamalan movie. I think that's the genius of the movie, is all the way through it you're expecting the most absurd ending ever and what you ultimately get is something that is actually plausible. <laughs> that's, that's his twist in this one, is you, you could actually see that. We were talking about when you think you know a character's motivation only for it to be kind of the rug pulled out from underneath you. Ten Cloverfield Lane has got a great example of that. But it does it like three or four times through it. You flip-flop heavily on John Goodman's motivations as a character in that movie. You know, is he right? Is the world condemned outside? Have the Has some sort of virus been released that's going to wipe out the planet and you can't go out there? Or is he creepily keeping you down there? Did he murder someone or does he actually care for you? Is he maybe a bit of a nonce? Um, and when you ultimately find that yes he is creepy, yes he is a little bit of a nonce, and yes he is trying to keep you down there, but ultimately it was also right that aliens have crash landed and the world has been, you know, it's like a double hitter, it doesn't undo what you think, but once you get the realisation that he is what you think he is, you kind of discount the rest of that movie. The rest of that plot being that there's some sort of alien thing. And I, I'll be honest with you, I, I love the ending to it. I know a lot of people feel it just feels shoehorned in. That ending was shot afterwards. I can kind of see why you think that. They tagged it on at the end. I think it adds to it. I think it makes it work even better. Now, very much like The Sixth Sense, Saw is a movie that has diminishing returns for me. When you get that end reveal, which we all know as well, the guy who's lying dead in the middle of the floor is actually Jigsaw, and he's the guy that has orchestrated everything all around. It, you know, at the first time you see it, you're like, oh my fucking God, mind blown. You do the old scanner's head blown thing. But to me, it doesn't work on repeat watches because when I watch it again, I'm like, right, I know it's right, stand up, stand up, give me the dun 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 music, which I've made infinitely cheerier. But you know, the first time you see it for impact, it's got a fucking wicked ending, really, really nice, neat, indie, tight 
storytelling with a, a good twist ending just to, just to add a little bit of spice on top of your steak which I really like but like I say for my personal taste very much like the Sixth Sense I can't revisit it often at all which feels like a bit of a shame unlike The Descent The Descent has maybe up there as one of my favourite endings of all time after going through all the fucking horrific shit our final girl does in that movie only to finally escape that iconic scene of her bursting out the ground finally escape finally be saved and get away from these kind of troglodyte creatures underneath the ground that are like, mutilated and murdered all their friends and all the claustrophobia, the pain to have the triumph of relief of escape at that end of that movie. To find that that is actually a dream you're having and you're still trapped where you are because you're delirious and dehydrated and close to death. And oh, by the way, the creatures that were coming to get you are coming to get you. It's fucking brilliant. It is like, it is the, it is the kind of blood sport split punch to the nuts um, of cinematic horror. I fucking love it. Absolutely love it. Which brings me to my kind of favourite twist ending. It's not really a twist ending, but it is one of those endings where when I was thinking of the title of this particular show to be just when you thought dot dot dot, this was the one that topped my list. Um... There are few movies that have the pure nihilistic sense of you now have to live with your madness than The Mist. Where all the way through that movie you think you kinda you're you're gonna survive and you're gonna survive and then ultimately your escape mission, the thing that you're gonna do, if you can just drive out of the mist, you'll be okay. You know, that doesn't happen, and then the creatures come, so you have a gun with not enough bullets and everyone commits suicide and you kill your child and the insanity that is left with you when you realise you don't have any bullets left you have to live with that and then the army shows up and saves the day and might be the gnarliest fucking ending ever in a horror movie I don't care what anyone says any like fucking snuff movie or any shit right the Mist has maybe the most perfect horror movie ending of all time. Because that to me is what horror is made of. The idea of you protecting your child from the evil outside and the only way to protect him is to is to kill him. You're gonna save him from being like the 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 harbinger, some weird husk for insects that are gonna pour out him, being digested in some fucking creature, terrified to the end of your very short life. So you mercy kill him. Find that if you just waited five minutes, if you just sat for five minutes in the car, you would all be insane. And the psyche, Thomas Jane is amazing in that movie. The crack in the brain at the end of that movie and the howled screams that you hear from him are are the stuff of nightmares, are the stuff of true horror films. So there you go, there you go. So, Cabin in the Woods, Goodnight Mummy, Sixth Sense, The Others, The Skeleton Key, Get Out, The Orphanage, Ringu, The Visit, Ten Cloverfield Lane, The Descent, Saw, Psycho, Slipaway Camp, Identity, The Mist, April Fools, High Tension, Le Debolique, um, The Wicker Man, Kill List, Carrie, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. What are your favourite ones? What are the ones I haven't mentioned here that you're like, that's like one of my favourite twist ends in a horror movie? Now, be fully aware that you might have to spoil it. 
So what I would say is make sure that you head up your line when you post on the Facebook group page. Uh, my, you know, one of my favourites is, and then put in brackets, spoiler alert, and then take a good couple of spaces underneath, just so people are not seeing it. This is going to be a contentious one for sure, because I dare say someone has had a couple of movies spoiled for them, because they did not heed my warning at the start. But let me know, did some of these ones on my list that I really like just not work for you? Let me know why. Let's get the conversation a-going. Um... I think horror is one of the best genres for doing these sort of things and I am very interested to hear what everyone else thinks of it. Do you think it's been overdone as well? Do you think we cynically now go into movies expecting twists and when we don't get them we somehow discount a movie's credibility because we don't get them? Or do you think they've been overplayed? Do you think we've just too many of them now and as a result they've kind of oversaturated the market? that you know you just want a straight a to b to c ending let me know let me know facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast or on the flick chat app our join code is tputzcast i'm gonna take my final break when i come back i'm closing out the show and i'm doing it right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 214, a special January episode with a theme. The theme was just when you thought dot dot dot. Some of the best twist endings and reveals in horror movies, in my opinion, that make things just a little bit more fun when watching a movie. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're dumb and great, and sometimes they're just dumb. The cinematic whiplash is on show and I kind of love it. And I'm waiting to see what the next movie that will have a generation of people going, (gasps) that's what I'm looking forward to. But we'll get it. Are we all too cynical and well-informed now? I think the internet kind of destroys some of that. But you never know. There may be be a movie out there prepared to do the, the, the daring and give us an end in which none of us see coming and floors all of us. It's not for lack of trying. I'm sure there's plenty of directors out there that are are busy just now trying to work with writers to give us the next big twist ending. What will it be? What form will it take? Who knows? Who knows, ladies and gents? Wow, that was fun. I enjoyed that one. It's sometimes good to just get away from just doing straight up movie reviews and just chat about horror. I think that's where at times our conversations and our voices really divert in a really interesting way. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys make of the list I've put out there and what you've got to add to it. So yeah, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast or the Flick Chat app. Our join code is at tputzcast. There is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, as you come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check us out on Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, Spotify. You can visit our website for the Teaputs Collective. It's teaputscast.com. You can check out all the shows over there, including this one. You can support this show by buying merch like posters and pins from teaputscast.bigcartel.com. Like I said before, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast if you want to interact with the group. Alternatively, if you only want to know when the shows are dropping or check out when the other shows on the network are dropping, then that is facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. Could not be any easier, ladies 
and gents. You can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TPartsCast. And while you're at it, join us on the Flick Chat app. You can do that by downloading it free on Android or iOS. Create yourself a little profile and our join code is TPartsCast. Couldn't be any easier. It's almost as if we planned this. Almost as if we tried to make everything uniform. Has it worked? Who knows? The podcast Under the Stairs will return on Thursday with Movie Club. We're looking at the Hammer production of the Quatermass Experiment. You have until Wednesday to get your reviews in. Please send in reviews. Otherwise, there will not be enough to merit me even powering on my computer. Sad panda. Don't make me a sad panda. Make me a happy panda. So get them sent in, please. The Collective Network will be putting out a show on Friday. That's right, we'll be returning with doing the nasty season two. The first episode looking at Invasion of the Blood Farmers and the last horror film representing that tier three list from the video nasty list. So yeah, check that out on Friday. Teapots Collective, you need to subscribe to that feed to get that content. On Friday on Podcast Under the Stairs, we'll be dropping a bonus review of The Grudge from 2020. And then closing out the week for this show by doing another one of those 88 Films Italian Collection movies looking at Eyeball. There we go. That is us done. That is us done, ladies and gents. Nice and breezy. Back into the swing of things. A whole week ahead of us. I hope your week goes fucking incredible for you. Wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours. Please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.